So you want to know about rehabilitation integration. It's uh, it's trying to say that 10 times fast. What we're talking about today is how to incorporate rehabilitation training into your regular training so that your entire life doesn't look like a big rehab ad. We want to still make sure that you're keeping, uh, you're still seeing progress in the areas that aren't injured, but you want to make sure that you're doing the right things for the areas that are injured. Let's talk more about that now. What's up, everyone? My name's Yanni Bormeister. Across the table from me is my brother, Rad. Behind the mixer is Richie. We are Unity Gym and the Unify Movement System. If you want to know how to turn driven people into athletes like we do, download our blueprints. They're available in the description of this replay on the podcast or YouTube. Otherwise, you can jump on our website, unitygym.com. How are we today, fellas? Yeah, feeling good. You know, Mate. it's Friday. It's uh, it's been a good week. This uh, this whole topic came from a bunch of people asking questions about rehabilitation, and I think it's been a good one. Yeah, there's actually a, a lot of good um, comments and conversations coming through on the UMS Movement Mastermind. Which reminds me, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast, you've got to get yourself over to the UMS Movement Mastermind so that we can interact and uh, connect on a much higher level. Also, really can't wait to get Richard a microphone so when I say, what's up, lads, he can chime in and say, good, as well. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. It's Friday here, folks, and we're just ripping it up. Uh, we have a very exciting day today. Uh, we are about to publish, for the first time in a little while, uh, a, new, a brand new program. And it's a program that we've... Um, it's near and dear to all of our hearts because all three of us have had golfer's elbow or tennis elbow or both. Both, uh, in both arms. Cu currently, I have mm. tennis elbow, uh, not from playing tennis. Funny story. I'll, uh, I'll share it in a sec. But um, it, uh, it's absolutely uh, uh, one of the worst injuries. We call it gym herpes around here because it's so hard to get rid of. And uh, we've been meaning to add a forearm and elbow um, rehab program uh, to our repertoire of rehab programs. We have hip and knee and foot and ankle and lower back programs already. And shoulder. And shoulder. Um, and anterior pelvic tilt. And anterior pelvic tilt. <laughs> and we will do a posterior pelvic tilt program because that's something I've had to work through myself. But anyway, uh, the forearm program is about to drop. Uh, we're just putting the finishing touches on phase one, and uh, we're very excited about it because a lot of people no, have requested not. Phase this. Phase one is ready. It's all good. Really? And, yeah, and we've filmed. It's done. Wow. It's up. It's ready to go. And we've filmed phase right, two and team. three, and it's just getting edited. So two, phase two and three will be uh, up on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Oh, how good um, is that? But what Yanni should be really getting at is that, of course, every week we have uh, a flash sale. And um, a lot of people have been asking us rehab questions lately, so we decided to do something very different this week. We really talk about how can we add value to our community um, with these flash sales. And we decided for the first time ever that we were going to allow you to choose what product you want uh, to purchase at a severely discounted rate. And we're going to be focusing on those rehab programs. So we've got all five rehab programs. We've got the brand new forearm and elbow rehab program, which is mainly to fix golfer's elbow and tennis elbow. Then we've Medial got the, or lateral epicondylitis. Yeah, or tendinopathy. tendinopathy. Um, so that's the first one. Then we've got the shoulder rehab program, a hugely successful program. We've got the knee rehab program. 
Then we've got the hip and lower back rehab program. And then we've got the anterior pelvic tilt rehab program. So there's five programs there and you can choose which one you want to get at the great discount or you can get all of them. Um, there's going to be, there's a bundle to get all of them together. Um, and it's, th these, these programs are life changing. If you watch the video of me talking through why we created these programs, when you click on the, um, the, the site, if, when you have a look at the link after we go uh, post it live after this show, um, those stories are real. I've personally suffered every single injury that we created these programs for. Yanni's suffered most of them as well. So we've, we've successfully rehabbed ourselves through this and then we've used it on many, many of our clients. So if, th if that's you, if you're somebody that is dealing with a, an injury that you really want to want to fix, then this is your opportunity. To or, do it. or or if you're a trainer or physio, we've had we got so many physios who buy these programs and use them with their clients and yep. rave about them. Yep. Um, and they're all yeah, they're 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 pretty amazing. Anyway. We're going to talk today about uh, the concept of, uh, you know, not rehabbing your whole body, you know, just focus on the area that you need to rehab. And specifically, how do you fit these programs into the UMS? How do you fit or, it into your regular or training? Or how do you fit any rehab into your regular training, more importantly? And yeah. this is really important. Yesterday I wrote about, uh, to my inner circle um, email list, about the concept of not putting your entire body in rehab. Like the, this week I've, I've covered... I've talked a lot about this, a lot about the concept of, um, you know, there's always something you can do. Taking time off is almost always the worst thing you can do because what you've got to understand is when you take time away from the gym, if you're used to physical exercise and, and lifting weights and things like that, and you take time off uh, to try and allow an injury to uh, repair itself, you're losing strength very quickly. After a, after a two-week period, you start to rapidly lose strength in the big global muscles, the big prime movers, the muscles that are involved in pushing, pulling, uh, squatting, bending. And it, you, know, you, you, you do not want to do that because what that does is it creates the, uh, more vulnerability and instability around the injured area. So in most cases, with the exception of a bone fracture, it's really important that you keep moving and uh, you want to try and keep up with your regular training for areas that are not affected by the injury. And you also want to learn how to regress to, to, uh, the movements that, do, that are affected by the injury just sufficiently that you provide enough stimulus for the um, body and not too much stimulus to overload the injured tissue. And it is a little bit of an art form, but once you understand the theory behind it and the principles behind it, it's really, really not that difficult. And, and this is, it, I really mean it, it's life-changing. doesn't matter what injury you've got, understanding the five key principles to rehab theory, I think is uh, super, super important. And uh, we will go, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, uh, introduce those five key principles today. Um, but there, th I'm going to give up a little, um, a little secret to the rehab programs. This is a, uh, an added module, a, a, a video that is, um, uh, that we've shot specifically for the new program today that we're going to include in all of the rehab programs now, uh, because it's just so important that you understand these. And, yep. uh, then we're going to also talk about how we've created the programs rehab um, programs to, to sort of slot in really nicely <coughs> to our UMS training uh, and how you should learn from that uh, because 
This is key to constant progression or achieving a high level. If you're constantly stopping and starting because of a little niggle somewhere in your body, you're never really going to get anywhere. You're definitely not going to achieve movement mastery, which is what we're sort of coaching people for. You're not going to achieve uh, an athletic transformation. And, you know, I think results, if you're stopping and starting all the time, are generally pretty mediocre. So it's really, really important to understand. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's um, it's something that we've. I don't know. I, I, I've I've had to. I've forced myself to become really, really good at this because if I didn't, I just wouldn't have been able to achieve what I've achieved. Like it, it, you know, the injury injuries come. It's part of training. It's, it's something that happens. You know, often injuries come from living a sedentary life or even doing a certain style of training for a long time or living a sedentary life either way where your body adapts to that style of training or it adapts to the sedentary life and then you try something new that you've never done before and either if you've lived a sedentary life or if your body's adapted to a certain type of training all of a sudden you're asking your body to do something it's never done before you get injured yeah and it's really really common you're not um you're not unnormal if you if that happened to you you're actually very very normal um, so we need an understanding of how to deal with that. And it, and it is so, I mean, we've, if you've been tuning into this week's shows, we don't need to go over it again. You know, we've talked about the concept of regression. We've talked about the concept of not creating this injury identity. So now it's all about talking about how to fit it in, um, you know, to your, to your training. So, you know, what, what, I guess we should talk about the first point here, which is don't rehab, don't rehab your whole body, fit the rehab component you need into the workout. So, you know, let's say you've got a shoulder injury. Okay. Or let, let's say you've got a uh, forearm injury. We'll talk about what, what we're releasing yeah, today. Because for, forearm's a cracker because you, you're gripping everything. Yeah, like, that's you right. Know, you know, just to load a squat bar, you've got to use your forearm. That's right. You know? yeah. and, I've, and we've all suffered from this, so we yeah. know all about it. Yep. So what happens when you've got, um, you know, golfer's elbow or tennis elbow or forearm tendinopathy? So there's a hell of a lot of stuff you can't do. But guess what? It doesn't affect your core at all. It doesn't affect your shoulders. Doesn't it, it, The grip, when you grip to try to train certain shoulder exercises, it definitely affects, but it doesn't affect your shoulders. Your shoulders themselves can, can work normally. Yeah. Your, your trunk can work normally and your entire lower body can work normally. So if you say, oh my God, you know, every time I grip something and I pick up the shopping, I, I kill my arms and I can't lift any weights or anything. Well, I'm stuffed, I can't do anything. Man, you're really approaching that the wrong way. One of the, one of the, easiest wins that you can have is one of the simplest biggest no-brainers is okay i'm not going to focus so much on upper body strength i'm going to focus on mobility across yeah. my whole body like that's or, i mean that's just some one of the most basic ways that or, you could low, approach it. or lower body strength yep. but that and you know tendinopathy uh is a is a different beast to most other injuries and this is you know it, it, this is something that if we want to go deeper we'll get phil on the show he's actually um doing some work uh, with a friend of ours today. Uh, they're producing an online course. And um, he he would say this, I know he would say this, that tendinopathy is a different beast. And it's actually really quite um, uh, different to approach when you're, when you're um, training for it. You know, often the very in exercises or movements or stimulus or load that 
that caused the issue is this the exact thing you need to do. So a lot of people, you know, um, when they experience um, really bad tendinopathy, like even the smallest things like turning the key in your car can aggravate it and really hurt it. And so that turns people off. They think, okay, I've got to rest this until the pain goes away. But what tends to happen is that during that period, the tissue is remodeling even more. Uh, tendinopathy is a breakdown of the collagens and the protein in your muscles. So it really it's a degeneration of the tissue quality. And uh, if you don't get to it really quickly, immediately, if you don't train it immediately and start strengthening those tissues, um, then it gets worse. So rest actually makes it worse, uh, almost as bad as overloading it again. Mm -hmm. And so you've got, you've got to find this midway point with tendinopathy where you've got to stimulate it enough that we're, uh, we're going to start strengthening those tissues again and get those tissues remodeling in the right way, but not too much that we cause more breakdown. And, um, you know, finding that point, that's where it's, it's really important to work <laughs> with someone like Phil or like a physiotherapist who understands tendinopathy uh, to be able to help you find that midway point. But we have some methods that have worked really well for us and our clients uh, that we'll sort of talk about in a sec. Um, that are included in these programs, but it, it's really important to understand that if you experience a little bit of discomfort, that's actually okay with tendinopathy. It's actually mm -hmm. good. It's beneficial. You know, mm -hmm. what's important is that you set baselines and make sure that you're not um, breaching those baselines after the fact, after you, you've gone to train. So, you know, the concept of if you've got forearm tendinopathy or elbow tendinopathy and you need uh, golfers or, or tennis elbow and, and, and you go to the gym and want to do a squat session and, and loading the bar, you feel it a little bit that's okay. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the, the most important thing is that it's not hurting the next day, uh, that, that, that you haven't made it worse. And a lot of people stuff this up. You know, they think, oh, I've got forearm, a really bad golfer's elbow. Therefore I can't even load weights. I can't even pick up weights. So I can't train lower body. And I mean, for us, that's just ridiculous because there's so much mobility work you could be doing or flexibility work you could be doing, uh, or core work you could be doing, uh, that, that you're leaving off the table. But let's say hypothetically, you don't know how to um, train flexibility like we teach in, in the UMS, uh, then, uh, you know, you might think, oh, well, I can't go to the gym. I'm ruled out completely. And it's frustrating. We've all been through it. You know, I had um, really bad golfer's elbow for about eight months where I just couldn't train the way I wanted to train, but that doesn't mean you can't train. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, look, we should, we should um, talk about how you incorporate, you know. For, before, before we do that, let's go through these five points. Okay. okay. If you want to, if you, what I will do, I'll read it out and then you can um, build some context around it. Okay. Because mm -hmm. he, Rad doesn't have the sheet in front of me. So the five points are issue intensity <laughs> continuum, the discomfort baseline principle, the load management principle, regression principle, and progression principle. So first and foremost, issue intensity continuum. To, to begin your rehab, you should fully understand the correlation between your issue and the intensity that you can train at. So build some context around that, Rad. What is it? What, what um, uh, very briefly explain the inverse well, relationship well, we'll just between touch issue on and this intensity. Because, because you spent a whole lot of time filming proper videos on this yesterday so that people can watch if they want to when they get these rehab programs. So we'll just touch on it. But the issue intensity continuum refers to the concept that 
the greater the issue that you have in your body, the lower the intensity that you can train at. And it's a direct uh, correlation. It's and an that's inverse something, Yeah, it's relationship. an in, inverse relationship. So that means that on a scale of zero or, or one to 10 of an issue, one meaning that you have no issue at all, and 10 meaning that you're um, probably hospitalized, um, you know, 10 would be a, a, a fracture, a, a, a complete broken bone or something like that. Um, then the, on the same way, the intensity that you train at, one would be a walk, you know, you're, you're just walking along, and a 10 would be you're doing a 1RM maximum weightlift movement or sprinting flat chat, whatever it is. The, they, 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 they sit in opposite each other. So as the issue goes from a 1 to a 2 to a 3 to a 4, the intensity that you can train at drops down from a 10 to a 9 to an 8 to a 7. And it, it has to match up like that. So as yep. the issue goes up, the intensity that you train at goes down. And this is one of the most, um, you, you go into that a lot deeper in the video, so we'll save it for that. But that's a, it's, it's critical that you understand the issue intensity. And it's continue. bleedingly obvious when you see it. When you draw it up on a yeah, whiteboard and you go, well, yeah, okay, so if my injury is a 5 out of 10, I can only train to a 5 out of 10. It's obvious, you know? but if personal trainers like us that are professionals that had been in the industry for about 12 years when we heard it for the first time had a light globe moment yeah <laughs> it seems obvious but yeah. we didn't we didn't even understand it before Alf before Leroy exactly told it to right. us about five years ago so the discomfort yeah. baseline principle guys is next uh well actually no load management um is the principle is next training variables including intensity volume complexity and recovery must be manipulated suited to the damaged tissue and compared to your post um, post baseline exercise so we'll talk about like obviously i mean this seems so obvious to us but it's obviously not obvious because mm. people get it wrong all the time what does it mean to um to manage load appropriate to the damaged tissue yeah, well, that's a really that's something that people really mess up. So if we use the example of the tendinopathy, the the golfer's elbow or the tennis elbow, so you've got this issue in your forearm that causes you to when you like let's let's talk a, a bicep curl, okay? Something really simple, you know. So you you don't have any issues. So your issue is on zero is on one. So your intensity can be at a ten, and you can pick up a, a thirty pound, um, you know, a dumbbell and do several curls with it. So that's give or take 15 kilos or 14 kilos. So that's a decent weight. Um, and now all of a sudden you've got this tendinopathy and you're gonna pick up um, a, a 10 pound dumbbell or a five pound um, or a five kilo. And just that weight is enough to really stimulate the tendinopathy and make you feel like, whoa, I'm working that. But your bicep is gonna get two fifths of stuff all work done. You're not gonna, on that amount of weight, you're gonna have to do an, an in like 80 reps or something to come even close to failure. So where people go wrong is, so tendinopathy, if we use the, ten, the golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, one of the characteristics of tendinopathy is that it feels much better after you've warmed up. So when you're cold, you'll grab something and, and, and you'll be like, oh my God, that's horrible. And then you'll warm up and you'll feel, oh man, that's, this is feeling really good now. So then you go for it in the workout. So in this example, you grab those 30 pound dumbbells and you do a, you do a set of- your uh, bicep work. You, you yeah, really pump. do a bicep, but you've killed your tendons. You've now made it a hell of a lot worse. So the idea of this is that um, in this example, you would do a workout with only 10 pound dumbbells where you, your biceps wouldn't even feel like they got touched. But what you've actually done is you've chosen a load that is correct for the weakest link, in this case, 
their tendinopathy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly right. And there's mm-hmm. lots of variables. Rad's used intensity there. Uh, um, you've got recovery, you've got volume, you've got the complexity of movement. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you may you selection. may find that the tendinopathy started by doing pull-ups and you may find that you have to reduce the complexity of movement down to a bicep curl and then it's sufficient and you yep. can and you can train yep. you know uh, we talk about in the program or a single arm row or something that's or right whatever, and, yeah. and and then you can go even further and use muscle contraction in and of itself as the variable that you're regressing and you can go from doing concentric and eccentric the most damage to the tissues done in the eccentric contraction so then you could remove the eccentric yep. and this is all and stuff that we cover in yep. the programs you know Um, Now, the next one is the discomfort baseline principle. And this is super important because we know that you can't stop exercising. But how do we figure out whether you exercise too much? Mm -hmm. And there is a little bit of trial and error. But the discomfort baseline principle is something that Phil taught us recently, which is essentially that you... You sort of diarize or make note of the the level of discomfort. I use discomfort instead of pain because pain just brings on uh, a different psychology. Um, but you 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 baseline your discomfort on a day where you don't add any extra stimulus. So you're not exercising yet. You don't start the workouts yet, and you just go through your day and you experience the level of discomfort you get when you turn your keys or the door handle. We're using this forearm tendinopathy as an example here. Uh, you you do your usual um, activity and just really. Um, acknowledge what level of discomfort you experience there uh, and, and what triggers it. You know, you, you, anything that triggers it throughout the day, you make note of. I like to diarize it. I like to write it down so you're really, really clear and succinct. Then the next day you do your first workout and you we, we instruct people to take yourself to a four out of 10 on the discomfort meter in the injured tissue. So you allow any stimulus to happen and you go for the highest and most complex stimulus you can but only taking it to a four out of 10 on the discomfort. And then the following day, you bench, you, you, you compare your level of discomfort or pain to the benchmark day. And if you've gone beyond that, then you know you've trained too hard and you mm-hmm. scale it back a little bit for your next workout. It becomes quite <coughs> methodical once you understand these principles, you know. Why do, are we gonna go through all of these? Because we only got, two, only got okay. two more. Right. The regression principle, is the, your, your initial goal is to regress back to the appropriate stimulus and then uh, which Rad's explained there and then progress to doing the exercise or movement that caused the injury as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and very quickly, the progression principle, your final step. Why don't, why don't you share the progression principle and, and, and tr- progressing back to complex movements? Well, yeah, you know, um, often with injuries, you, you know, we've spoken about this week about how you have to retrain the stabilizers, you have to regress your injuries and then, but you, you want to, as quickly as is safe, you want to pr- be progressing. So yep. you, you, you find that regression point that's right for you and then you want to be safely, but steadily, consistently and quickly progressing back to a point of complex movements and back to the point of uh, where, where you where you want to be training at. And that's different for everyone. Because for some people, you might reevaluate what you were doing that got the injury and you might think to yourself, you know what, like this has happened to me a lot um, with some of my injuries. I've gone, you know what, I don't actually like that. What I was doing is high risk. 
and I don't think I, I need that anymore. It's, I can fulfill myself with other ways. So I've sometimes never gone back to the thing that injured me. Um, and that's up to you. But yeah, you want to get that happening as quick as possible. You want to progress. Yeah, that's right. So and that, and that really ties into what we're talking about here, which is how to fit it into a program. Because the reality is, is that if you've injured your shoulder, you still should be doing your squats. You, should, you probably still should be doing your deadlifts. You probably still should be doing all your core training, all of your mobility. The, with the, the only thing that you will have altered will be your push-pull patterns. Mm -hmm. And potentially... Um, a couple of other things. It, it depends on how, how mobile you are in the shoulder capsule for your barbell back squats and things like that. You may not be able to achieve a low bar back squat. A lot of your Cali movements, like your hand balancing, will be off the cards for a little mm -hmm. while. Mm -hmm. So how do we fit a shoulder rehab into uh, like a, a, a regular training regime? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked because that's uh, near and dear to my heart. <laughs> So basically, like we're going to use the UMS as an example, okay, because that's what we're teaching here. So in the UMS, we have uh, in the foundations phase, there's two bent arm strength days, which are upper body strength training sessions that involve bending the elbow, so typical upper body strength training days. Then there's two lower body strength training, training days, so squats, deadlifts, things like that. And then if you're onto the progressions program, there's two straight arm strength training days, which are, which are upper body days that, that don't bend the elbow. The exercises are just for shoulder. Um, so what we do is, with the, in the case of a shoulder injury, you ditch your bent arm strength workouts and you replace them with the shoulder rehab training. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So you're still training your lower body the same way. The straight arm strength days will be modified, but often you'll be able to do a lot of that stuff even with a shoulder injury. Um, but you have to reduce the, you have to regress, you know. Uh, and sometimes you may, what, what I did, because my shoulder injury was bad enough, I replaced both bent arm and both straight arm days with shoulder rehabilitation. Um, the same thing would happen with a forearm issue. If you had a forearm and an elbow issue, you would replace the, what I found with the golfer's elbow and the tennis elbow, I could actually still do almost all of the straight arm strength work because it, with the golfer's elbow and tennis elbow, it's usually only involved in elbow yep. um, flexion or extension and, up, gripping, and gripping. Yeah. gripping. Yeah. Yep. But I found that I could do uh, definitely a modified version of my straight arm strength workout and I was totally fine, but the bent arm strength had to be completely changed. Yeah. So you'd literally, your whole program would look exactly the same, but you would swap the bent arm strength days for the, the forearm and elbow rehab program. Yep. Same for the knee, knee or hip or lower back rehab. You literally swap the lower body days for those rehab programs. You just swap it out and you still keep doing the exact same bent arm and exact same straight arm strength that yep. you're used to. Yep. And if you adopt that approach, what happens is, in, and, and this is a really, this would be a linear path if somebody just followed the basic path that anybody else that we would hope people would follow. You would, you would go through the three phases of the rehab programs, and then you would get to a point where you are now ready to start incorporating um, things, and you probably have two options here. At this point, when you get out of that rehab stage, you would either do the foundations program for either the lower body or the bent arm strength. You would just repeat that, even if you were still on the progressions program for the other part. Or you would now just incorporate the A1 and A2 movements from, so let's, in, in the examples of the forearm, so the, you've got your tendon, you've got your golfer's elbow, your tennis elbow, you've gone through the three phases, you're starting to feel better. So now you just include an A1 and an A2, so a low amount of volume for, for compound movements, the stuff that you want to do, and then the, all of the supplementary moves would be the rehab stuff. Yep. And, then you'd, and then you'd include a B1 and B2 and remove some of the rehab, 
and then eventually you, you're back to your normal training. Yeah. So for those of you who aren't training in the UMS and you don't understand even the, what the meaning of supplementary and this sort of stuff, supplementary movements are there usually to complement your primary movements, the movements that you do first in the workout. Mm. The most important um, movements are always prioritized at the start of the workout. And usually mm. you'll have, we use opposing um, uh, um, movements to keep balance. Agonists and antagonists. Yeah, they're referred to as an agonist and an antagonist movement. Um, and then, yeah, we usually complement those with uh, what we call supplementary movements to get the volume that we need to elicit the response that we're looking for, either in strength or muscular hypertrophy or, or performance, speed and power. And uh, that, you know, the, all this stuff is obviously explained in more detail if you, if you go deeper into the programs. Next week, we are going to do an entire week. We've had so many questions about how you fit all this stuff together. And, you know, it, um, Rad, Richard and myself uh, pride ourselves in producing a lot of great content. And, and off the back of all that great content, you know, if you log in, especially if you're a UMS online coaching member and you have a dashboard that's just filled with all these different programs, um, you know, there's this notion that, ah, oh, the best way to do this is to try and fit everything together into one ginormous circus of exercise. Mm. Uh, but that's just not the case. Yeah. You know, these are modules that are designed to, uh, to, to trade in and out of your routine. And, and, um, and, and you, you, you know, you master one thing at a time, you know. And, and can I say, we are everything that we speak about here, every single thing we speak from personal experience. We do not and I actually just it only just dawned on me because this n wasn't something it was subconsciously our intention but Yanni and I never looked at each other and said this is what we're going to do but we only speak about things on this show that we've got personal experience with so what Yanni just said there I was the one above any of us in this room Richard Yanni and me that really tested this I tried training in a way where I was trying to do so much at once I tried training in a way where I was doing um, three-hour training sessions or even two one-and-a-half-hour to two-hour training sessions a day and there was I was working on handstands I was working on locomotion and flow I was working on general strength movement I was working on flexibility I was working on gymnastics rings and uh, we also tried doing that with our members at the gym and the results did not show it did not result, it was me it produced mediocre, it mediocre results, results. Yeah. after years of training that way it produced mediocre results and on the other hand and this is why why the ums is so strong is because we've got three people that have road tested it in very different ways yanni and richard have always been two guys that have, that have been much more focused than i have on one specific thing and for them it's more been around just raw strength, just producing raw strength. And what I learned the hard way, not maybe not the hard way, but just what I learned is that you have to prioritize the things that you want to get better at. And <clears throat> at, the, at the most basic level is, is strength and flexibility. Because when you're really strong, like, you know, we were talking about this with Phil earlier on this year, it actually only takes one ninth of the work that it took you to get there to maintain 90% of what you've got. So let's use chin-ups as an example. You can't do one single pull-up. To go from not doing one pull-up to being able to do 10 good pull-ups, it's, it's a bit of work. And you're gonna have to really you know, push yourself, you're gonna have to manipulate volume, probably gotta train the pull-up twice a week. Um, and you know, to get up to that nine or 10 pull-ups is, is a really big feat. But to go from that to be able to maintain, so let's say you can do 10 pull-ups at your best effort, to maintain being able to do nine pull-ups, you need to do one ninth of the work. Yeah. So 
it's really, really important that you understand that you make a decision on what it is that you want to achieve and you double down on that. You work at it until you get to a level where you think, okay, this is, this is good, let's put something else in the priority list. And you'll find that with a minimal amount of work, you'll be able to maintain 90% of the flexibility that you got, 90% of the strength that you got, yeah. whatever it is. Um, so yeah, that, that's what we're gonna be talking about next week. We're gonna be talking about how do you, you know, for those of you out there that have got the Handstand Masterclass and the Muscle Up Masterclass and the Foundations Program and the Mobility Masterclass and the ATM, how do you put it all together? And, um, and or, or people who are just looking in from the outside going, you know, how do I construct do I, yeah. a program that, that that is going to guarantee that I achieve a desired result? Yeah. Uh, because. You know, there's too many people out there. One of my mentors, one of my great mentors, who we're very <coughs> excited to be bringing on the podcast soon, which will be a real honor for me because I do have a, a bit of a professional crush on him, Tony Bataji, once said to me um, very, very simply, you can't ride two horses with one ass. And, and when you're training for something, you know, you, you're either training for, uh, you're prioritizing strength um, in a movement, you're prioritizing strength in structural balance, you're prioritizing uh, a balance of strength and flexibility. Uh, if, you know, it's, it, and, and we had this reinforced again when we started to sort of spend some time with um, Daniel Vadnell from Fitness FAQs. Um, you know, he's, he worked extremely hard for a, a whole year to get the planche, you know, and everything else was built around around that. He didn't stop doing everything else, mm. but it becomes your priority, yep. you know? And it's in the same way that if you're trying to um, do a muscle up or do a hand, unlock the handstand or just ge generally balance your body, then that becomes your priority. And for us, then it's like, start with the foundations program and then focus on the UMS program. Don't worry about all these masterclasses, they're skill specific. They're gonna be bolted on once you achieve that balance. That first goal, you know, um, and yeah, this is it's really, really important. And it's something I'm really excited to do a, 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 a special a special week on next week because um, we're getting a lot of good questions about it. And um, I think that, that that's something that people need to understand. Oh, for sure. For sure. Programming principles in general. Mm. Yeah. But for today and for the next uh, for the next 72 hours, uh, if you have some old injuries that you want to get rid of, this is your chance to grab our hugely successful rehab programs. They're gonna be going live uh, in a matter of hours. Um, so jump on it, uh, grab the program that you want. First time ever that we've allowed you to choose what you wanna purchase on one of our flash sales. And uh, you know, let's get rid of those uh, achy old injuries and, and take you to the next level. And how exciting is uh, is launching a the, the, the long-awaited golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, forearm and elbow rehab program. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm pretty happy about that. Have All right, guys, weekend, have everyone. a great weekend. Enjoy. We'll see you soon. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.